The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to Season 2 of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines. I'm going to answer some questions that are on Bengals fans' minds. And we're also going to hand out some awards for the 2020 season. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Bengals headlines. So we saw what happened to Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I mean, if you don't have an offensive line, it doesn't matter who you are. I think he's the best quarterback in the league. And they made him look bad. And I think that's a problem in the NFL right now. There's not a lot of quality offensive linemen. So you got to grab some. You have to stockpile what you have and try to build a good line. You know, there's only a few teams in the league that are noted for having really good lines. And, I mean, you could look at the Colts. You could look at the Browns and look at those two teams. They were playoff teams. The Browns have a great running game. Baker Mayfield, I think they made him look better than he actually is because he's getting a lot of protection. So I'm going to go on record as saying it again. The important thing is get some blocking for Joe Burrow, and you're going to see good results. So we hired a new running backs coach, Justin Hill, who is a coach out of Tulsa. And he's a younger guy. He's 32. This is his first NFL job. I don't know much about him, but the one quote that he said that I really like, he said, I'm not going to get stuck into one way of doing things. So that's a good way to be because the NFL is constantly changing. You can't just sit on your philosophies and stick to them regardless because things do change. And if you don't change with them, you're going to find yourself being left behind. So I'm wishing Justin Hill some good luck. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be working hard. It's his first job. He's going to want to impress. And I hope that he helps that running back room be even better than it is. And I'm not going to go too much into the draft or free agency right now because those things are still a little bit of ways and I'd rather talk about them as they come up. But I am going to start campaigning right now for Mackenzie Alexander. He's due a contract. He was on a one-year deal. He's a free agent right now. Give this man the money. Lock him up long-term. He's a younger player. He was outstanding in that defensive backfield. And he's not going to be that expensive of a player. You know, they're going to spend more on William Jackson if they re-sign him or if they want to go out and get another marquee corner. So you can really solidify that slot position by getting Mackenzie Alexander under contract. So I'm urging you, Bengals, please don't drop the ball on this one. We need this guy back. Bengals questions. So I've always been a fan of Bengals.com. I love Jeff Hobson. I, you know, I've been reading it for years. I tend to disagree with him on some things, but that doesn't matter. I still respect him as a journalist. He's very much on the inside of the organization. So whenever a Hobson's Choice column comes out, I like to give my answers to those questions just to give you guys a different slant. And I don't read what he says to these questions until after I speak my piece because I don't want to be influenced by anything. So that's the spirit of this next segment where I answer Bengals questions. These are the questions that were sent in to Bengals.com, and this is my take on them. 
If you had to pick one, sign a high-end guard and head to the draft needing a tackle, sign a high-end tackle and head to the draft needing a guard, or spend our cap signing both a guard and tackle, and why? So as I've been on record saying, it's not just one or two offensive linemen that's going to fix this. I really believe they should bring in four linemen. So to answer the question, I say that you make a list of the top guards and the top tackles, and you try to grab at least one of each that are in the top three. Then you go into the draft, and you draft a tackle very high. Hopefully it's Sewell with the fifth pick. If not him, early second round, you got to grab the best player available, and then grab another guard somewhere else in the draft. Or if you come up with that second pick and there's not a worthy tackle available, then you grab a guard or a center. Regardless, you grab two in the draft and two in free agency. Anything less, I'm going to deem to be trouble for us this year. And think about it. We just talked about earlier in the program how an offensive line made Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes, look bad in the Super Bowl. So if we can really go overboard in solidifying that line, we're going to be one of those teams that's in the playoffs and beyond, especially with the quarterback that we have. Every year, I see teams getting creative, restructuring contracts to get under the cap, but the Bengals don't. To compete, shouldn't they be spending every dollar possible? So I don't like to make it a habit of criticizing the Bengals' front office. I really do have a lot of respect for Mr. Brown and Mr. Tobin. But I would like to see the Bengals get aggressive in a lot of ways. Yes, you see some teams out there that will make any trade possible. They'll sign any player that they need. And that's an area where I think we've kind of been sticking to our laurels as opposed to being progressive and taking more chances and being more aggressive as well. So yes, I'd like to see the front office take a little bit more of a different stance, a little more... I'm not going to say desperation, but a little more intensity and saying, we want these players and this is how we're going to do it. Now, the only drawback to restructuring contracts is I think it's a little bit of a demotivator for the player. If you're going to restructure his deal, it shows, hey, we don't really value you as much as you think that we do or that we did in the past. So that could have a slightly negative impact on the player's mindset, but if you do it properly you can really go a long way towards making your roster better. So yes, I'd like to see the Bengals more progressive in all senses as far as player acquisitions and transactions. And the draft. You know, I'm a fan for trade back up in the first round. Let's grab Sewell. Let's trade back up and grab Pitts. You know, I'll talk more about that when we talk about the draft, but there's no reason why you can't put together some kind of package to get the players that you want. We see other teams do it all the time, and it's our turn now. Why are there not more Bengals in the Hall of Fame? Unfortunately, there's several reasons why there's not more Bengals in the Hall of Fame. Number one is there's no championships. And as we've seen with the Hall of Fame, in addition to having a great career, you have to have a ring or two under your belt. And none of our guys do, unfortunately. And yeah, Ken Henderson deserves it. You know, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the game when he played. Ken Riley, I mean, the list goes on. We can name a few guys that are worthy of that. But the fact that there's no championships... The fact that it's a small market. And again, we're Bengals fans. So the Bengals are the universe to us. When you go outside of the Cincinnati market, most people don't care about the Bengals. You know, it's like the Bengals, the Lions, the Jaguars, who cares? Unfortunately, I don't feel that way. I know you guys don't feel that way. But that's the narrative on this team across the country. And that's another reason why you're not seeing more Bengals in the Hall of Fame. So hopefully this next decade brings us a championship or two or three. And we'll start getting some players in the hall. And, you know, I think A.J. Green has a great shot. I think Geno Atkins has a great shot. 
but again, no rings. So they're going to be online waiting to get in. So it's going to be this new generation of players. It's going to be, you know, your Joe Burrows, maybe Jesse Bates, maybe Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. You know, it's still early on all those players, I know. But if you start building some championship runs and these players play like they've been playing, we may have a shot at some more Hall of Famers in the future. Since the salary cap has been around, how often have the Bengals been under the cap? The Bengals have been under the salary cap at times. Even though we have the reputation for being a cheap organization, I guess that goes back to the old days, we do spend money now. But I think two things are happening. One is we're so set on re-signing our own players. You know, I get the philosophy there. You know, it's guys that know the scheme. It's guys that you're familiar with. It's guys that have been loyal to you and you want to repay them. But I think sometimes we overestimate the talent of our own players. You know, and if you read, like, a Bengals.com, the way Jeff Hobson talks about some of these players, you just think there's no way that we're not going to be a 12-win team. And then you, you see, you know, a first game or two, we play other teams, and you realize, whoa, they're, they're just as good, if not better, than us. So I think a lot of times we're overhyping some of our guys. And I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular, but there's a few guys that are up for new deals this year that I fear that we're going to overpay. So that's one of the reasons why it feels like we're – not spending enough money because we're putting it into our own players and sometimes those guys aren't the guys that are delivering like we need them to be. And two, it's a little bit of bad luck. You know, we spent a lot of money in free agency this year and DJ Reader, one of the biggest acquisitions, got hurt. Suafilo came into the year hurt. Wayne's never played a down. So it's a little bit of bad luck. It's a little bit of maybe too much spending on our own and not just saying, see, this is what I feel they should do with everything. Who's the best guys in the league? Those are the guys that we're going to target. You know, if it's one of your own and you can't make a case for him being like a top 15 player at his position, then you go outside of the organization. And you always think, oh, it's a learning curve to bring in a new guy. What about Brady in Tampa Bay? There was no learning curve there. I know it's Tom Brady. But a good player is a good player, and a hardworking player is a hardworking player. So don't get too caught up on your own guys if they're not truly the best or one of the best at their position. Because you're going to go in circles. You're going to keep believing in the guys that are leading you to mediocre records. Do you see the need to take a tight end or receiver early in the draft? Well, if Sewell's gone, they're going to take Chase or Pitts. So they will take a wide receiver or a tight end if they're left with that fifth pick. They don't trade back, and those are the two best players on the board. In the second round, you don't necessarily want to see them take a wide receiver unless like a T. Higgins falls to them. You'd like to see them beef up their offensive and defensive lines, maybe get a linebacker. You know, I think that would be the key and the way to go in the second round. But there's nothing wrong with taking some wide receivers later in the draft. And when you have a good quarterback, he can make those later picks shine. Everyone has a chance of being successful when your quarterback's being protected and you have a good quarterback. Look at Mahomes again. I know I've referred to him a couple times in this show. You know, not all those wide receivers are top 10 draft picks. Players like that and players like Tom Brady can make stars out of anybody. So, you know, if you go in with Boyd and Higgins and Tate, I don't know if they're going to bring back Erickson. And then, you know, you add a couple guys later in the draft. I think you're going to be all right for this year. And maybe the following year you chase another big target for Joe Burrow. But I think right now you got to take it a step at a time. You can't have everything. We can't say let's have the best offensive line possible and let's get another number one wide receiver. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's gonna lend itself to us having that this year. So you do have to take it a step at a time. And if you look at the wide receivers that are out there, I don't know in free agency, I don't know if there's someone that you want to spend that money on. I think it, it's it's better served at other positions. Who do you think is going to be the Bengals number one overall draft pick? When the Bengals pick fifth this year, 
they're going to go after Sewell. If Sewell's not there, they're going to go after Chase. If they're both not there, I'm assuming they're going to go after Pitts. If all three aren't there, maybe there's a trade back. But I'm assuming that they're going to grab one of those three guys. And at this point, I would be happy with any of them. Why won't the Bengals' offense use Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard at the same time? And what do you think about the running backs overall? I was in the camp of using Mixon and Bernard in the backfield at the same time, and they did it this year more than they have in years past early on, but normally it was just sending Gio out into motion and turning him into a wide receiver anyway. Now when you think about having them both in the backfield and not motioning one of them out of the backfield, teams can load up the box. And what do you do you want your $50 million running back lead blocking? Do you want either one of those guys blasting through holes and running into linebackers and, and defensive tackles? So unfortunately, it sounds like a great idea. I'd like to see them sprinkle it in. There's definitely a place for it, but it can't be a staple of the offense. I, I just don't think that either one of them should be designated to a fullback role. And I like the way they do it now. I like Mixon being the bell cow and Geo coming in on third downs. And, you know, you have Samaj P. Ryan who can also come in and be kind of like a Mixon in spot duty. And you have Travion Williams who can come in and be like a Geo. So right now I think they're going to be okay at the running back position. And using both at the same time should only be done sparingly. Do you think that Joe Burrow will start week one? I'm not sure if there are many people that are more anxious to see Joe Burrow play next year than me. Believe me. And you know he's going to start week one. But I don't want him to rush back. I kind of hope that he starts like the fourth game, fifth game. You know, hopefully we have someone in there that can carry us through. We go 500 before Burrow comes back and then he comes back in. But I know the reality. He's a warrior. He's a competitor. He's going to refuse to sit out. The organization needs him. Coach Taylor, of course, wants to protect his own interests as well and, you know, win as many games as possible. So Joe Burrow, regardless of if his knee is 100% or not, is going to start week one. And I just hope that all goes well and there's no setbacks. Two thousand twenty awards. All right, so enough time has passed since the season ended, so now's the time to have some fun and remember some of the positives of two thousand and twenty. Best moments of twenty twenty. The number five play from last year is Joe Burrow's pass to Tyler Boyd against Tennessee in the middle of the field in double coverage. There were a lot of great throws and a lot of great catches. T. Higgins made some great catches. Boyd made a ton of great plays. Auden Tate had a couple leaping grabs. There's a lot of exciting plays in that regard, and Burrow made a billion amazing throws. But this one throw in particular, it was double coverage. Boyd made a great catch, but Burrow just threw it where you could not drop it. It was just the perfect pass. And when I saw that pass, I just lit up like, we have our guy. I mean, I knew it before then, but that pass just really solidified how good he is and how positive the future is going to be with this guy. The number four top play from last year, Mackenzie Alexander intercepting Big Ben in the Steeler game and pretty much clinching victory for the Bengals. There's nothing better than a big moment against the Steelers. There's nothing better than one of my favorite defenders making a big play, and there's nothing better than Big Ben making a mistake and the Steelers hanging their heads. So that's my number four play from last year. The number three top play from last season, Joe Burrow's rushing touchdown against the Chargers. I went crazy when that happened. The field just opened up. He showed his speed right down the center of the field. Touchdown. Joe Burrow has arrived. It was game one. 
everything was still in front of us at that moment, and I was like, wow, this is going to be a great year. So that's the number three play from last year. The number two top play from last year, Brandon Wilson delivers again that kick return against the Giants. I mean, he just hit another gear that no one else had. He had the blocking from the rookie linebackers, and he just took off 103 yards. Nothing prettier than watching a long return for a touchdown like that. And the number one top play from last season. You guys know what it is. Von Bell's hit on Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, he punked Vontez a few years back. He's dancing on people's logos, acting like he's one of the best receivers in the league when it was really a lot of Antonio Brown that made him shine early in his career. It was some comeuppance for a guy who kind of deserved it. Even the the first game that we played him this year, him and Ebron were were doing that crazy twerking dance on the sideline, kind of rubbing it in. Maybe it taught him a little bit of humility. So, Von Bell, I can't thank you enough for that hit on that guy. It was just no one deserved that more than Juju Smith-Schuster. So that was the top play of last year. Can't wait to see another play like that against a Pittsburgh Steeler. Offensive MVP. The offensive MVP is Joe Burrow, and that's the definition of an MVP. It's a guy that when he goes out of the lineup, the team takes a a downturn, and unfortunately that's what happened. And when he was in there for a while, I was like, we're going to go 500. I even started saying, hey, we're going to make the playoffs. And then, of course, you know, the, the injury against Washington happened. But Joe was on his way to having a really good rookie year. He was on his way to setting a bunch of records. He was probably going to be the rookie of the year. So that's the guy from the team who deserves to be the offensive MVP. And honorable mention goes to Tyler Boyd. He's become the definition of clutch. When the game is getting desperate and you need someone to get a first down and all seems lost, look for Tyler Boyd because he's been delivering in that role for the last couple years. So he's my choice for runner-up for offensive MVP. Defensive MVP. The defensive MVP is Jesse Bates. What a season he had. He was all over the place. When you put him up in a single high, he can go from sideline to sideline. Had a bunch of interceptions, had a bunch of almost interceptions, had a ton of tackles. He was involved in the box, out of the box, center field. Should have been a pro bowler, should have been an all-pro as well. But unfortunately, again, being on the Bengals, it's tough to get that recognition throughout the league. But the sky's the limit for this guy. And, you know, sometimes it takes a couple years for the light to fully go on. And, you know, he was solid as a rookie and, you know, got better and better. But this year was the breakout season for him. So I hope he continues to play the way he did this year and becomes a staple of this defense for years to come. Honorable mention goes to Mackenzie Alexander. Just lights out in the slot position. You know, that was one area where we didn't have to worry this year. And if you want to take an example, the one game against Pittsburgh, when when he was in there, we were shutting down Juju, and the receivers weren't really lighting it up. Mackenzie goes out with a concussion. All of a sudden, the slot receivers are starting to make a dent in that game. So he was a very valuable player for us this year. And yes, I'm going to campaign again. Please bring this man back. Comeback Player of the Year. The comeback player of the year is Gio Bernard. He never really fell off or never really went anywhere, but a lot of people were getting down on him and thinking that he was nearing the end and maybe we should get rid of Gio. And when Mixon went down, Gio came in and we hardly missed a beat running the ball. So it was very nice to see him have a great year at a time where I think he needed it for his Bengals career. And we have another year left with him. So hopefully with Burrow back in there, his numbers are going to remain solid and maybe he gets signed to another extension and eventually retires as a Cincinnati Bengal. Honorable mention is going to go to Jonah Williams. You know, he missed the first year. He missed his rookie year. And he came in this year and was was working his way up. Had some 
had some good games, had some bad games, and then of course he got hurt again. But if I'm going to give a runner-up for the comeback player of the year, it would be Jonah Williams. Rookie of the year. So for rookie of the year, yes, you could say Joe Burrow, but I don't like to give one player more than one award. So it's going to be T. Higgins. Tough for a rookie wide receiver to make a difference. It usually takes two, three years for them to really start excelling. But you saw by like the fourth, fifth game, he got it. He was running great routes. He was catching everything thrown to him. He was having good runs after the catch. A really special player. Should have been a first-round pick. I'm so glad that we got him. Look for him to be a superstar in the future. And runner-up for Rookie of the Year is going to go to Logan Wilson. You know, he had his interceptions, had a nice sack in the one game, was pretty active in the middle. He still has some progressing to do. I think he, he needs to get a little bit stronger as a player to be a little more of a thumper in the middle. But he showed great speed great awareness and he's going to be a member of this team for years to come biggest surprise of 2020 the biggest surprise is Quentin Spain where did he come from you know we signed him from the bills it looked like they threw him on the trash heap and he became our best offensive lineman so that was a great acquisition by us in mid-season when we desperately needed a solid player on the line he plays really well at guard. He even kicks out to tackle and plays well there. Just an excellent acquisition, and I hope they keep him around for the long term as well. You know, he's one of those guys that I can see, if not starting on the line, being in that rotation and, you know, being the next man up in the interior. And then the runner-up, I guess, would be Samaj P. Ryan. Because, you know, another guy who you thought was on, on the waiver wire heap, nobody really wanted him. And then we take him, and he has some productive games, some productive snaps. He's the kind of player, I said it, he, he looks like every time he runs, he's ready to run through a brick wall. He'll just go forward no matter who or what is in his way at full speed. And that's a fun player to watch, and that's a good energizer to the team and a motivator when you see someone playing that hard. He had a very positive impact on the team, and he's another guy that I'd like to see back in stripes. Best coaching performance. The best coaching performance is Darren Simmons, hands down. Of all the coordinators, head coach included, everybody, he just had his units ready to go. Our special teams were at the top of the league once again. He was assistant head coach, so he was helping out in a couple different regards. And he's been with the team forever and doing a great job since the day he walked in the door. So he's the coach of the year for the Bengals this season. And runner-up is going to be Dan Pitcher. You know, think about what he did with Joe Burrow. Here's a rookie with no training camp, no preseason, and he was ready to play game one. And Joe Burrow swears by him. So I'm going to give Dan Pitcher runner-up for best coaching performance for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm glad he's back. You know, you want to keep that familiarity with Joe. With Coach Taylor back and Pitch, as they call him, and Callahan, you know, he has all the familiar faces around him again. So once Joe Burrow is healthy, he's not going to miss a beat. And Dan Pitcher is one of the reasons why. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to have Slider Art. He's a friend of mine from Instagram, and he's got a lot of great opinions about the Bengals. We're also going to run through some current Bengals headlines as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.